Good evening, everyone out there in the Twitterverse and on YouTube. Welcome to another edition of the Houston Rombar Review presents Folks Talking Sports. I am the owner, Chris Gardner, of the Houston Rombar Review. Joining me, middle of screen, or if you're going to listen, if you're listening to it on our podcast platforms like Spotify, iHeartRadio, and what else is it? Um, Apple Podcasts, and Yanez in, in, in the middle of the screen, the owner everything person of less rage coogs of the most recent edition of less rage coogs from last night the most popular to date edition less rage coogs and yanis how are you sir i'm doing good um sorry if you hear all the dogs barking in the background they just knocked on the door so apologies for that well, they're um, probably complaining about the texans losing so it's it's all good um and last but not least for right now is James Mueller, who's also part of yesterday's highest viewed edition of Less Rage Cougs to date. James Mueller from Daily Cougar. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well. Let's get into it. Uh, first off, Willie Gibson is in Ohio. He was at the Browns Jets game. He was there to see the Browns blow a 13-point lead in the last two minutes. So he yep. should be on the road from uh, Cleveland to Columbus. He commutes that. He does it every every week when the Browns play or the Cavs play, whatever. He does that. So if he has a chance to join us, he will as well. We're going to talk about that debacle yesterday at TDECU Stadium, inside the stadium, but as well as outside the stadium. And first, I want to say this uh, for those who saw on Twitter or YouTube the announcement that uh, we would be interviewing Kiara Merchant this evening during the show. Kiara is not feeling well after her official visit on campus at University of Houston with Coach Huey today. So she won't be able to join us today. So we'll still try to get her in a future episode of FTS. But she is a recent commit to Coach Huey. She attends Spring Westfield High School and plays for one of the elite um, AAU grassroots programs in girls' hoops at Cy Fair Premier. All right, guys. And Tony, thank you for tuning in. And thank you for everybody watching on either YouTube or Folks Talk Sports on Twitter. Let's get into it. We had a lengthy discussion about yesterday's. 48-30 loss by the Cougs to Kansas. Cougs are now one and two. Their next opponent, the Bayou Bucket. I know y'all are all hype. Like I am hype. It's hype. It's Rice Week. It's Bayou Bucket Week. Yeah. Um, the Rice Owls are two and one after a 33-21 win over Louisiana, snapping Louisiana's 15-game winning streak which was the longest current active streak in college football. So the Rice Owls are 2-1. The Houston Cougars are 1-2. Who would have thought that after three games into this season? Andy James, you got it. Yeah, I was going to just ask, when was the last time that these two have played and Rice has had the better record? It's got to be a while. Um, yeah, I mean – we talked about this on Latrage Cougs last night, but I mean, this should be another game that Houston should easily handle. But 
it's hard to know what to expect with this team um, just because of all the inconsistencies and um, lack of discipline. So, yeah, I mean, who knows? We could be in for a much tighter game than years past have, have treated us to. And Willie Gibson is, is in the studio, so we're going to bring him in because we got to ask him his thoughts on what happened in Cleveland in those last two minutes. Mr. Gibson, I hope you're ready, sir, because we're going to make fun of you and the Browns just, as, just like you'll make fun of us and the Cougs. So it's all good. OK, here we go. <laughs> How are you, sir? I'm tired. We good. We good. You made, you, your drive is complete. You made the drive, Appreciate right? the buffer, but I didn't realize the buffer until halfway through it. So I appreciate that. I didn't realize it was 730. So thank you. Oh, no, 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 no problem, man. I'm just impressed, but you make that drive you know, oh, yeah. every day, every Sunday, every weekend to do this. So, Andy, give your thoughts on what you saw yesterday on the field, the Cougs losing to Kansas, and then we'll talk about Rice and the Cougs. Yeah, specifically of what happened on the field against, against Kansas, I think uh, James hit it right on the head, and that's what um, the theme overall in the first three games of the season has been for Houston. That's inconsistency. Um, I guess technically they have been consistent. That's they've been consistently inconsistent for the entire uh, season early on. Um, offense again, they they get out to a good start, fourteen um, zero, and then they go on a drought. Kansas, meanwhile, <laughs> scores twenty eight unanswered points. Uh, the defense, after starting with with uh, two great drives where they forced, forced a three and out by Kansas just are unable to stop them the rest of the way. They allowed six straight touchdown drives, which I, I still can't get over that fact. Six straight touchdown drives to Kansas. Um, I know Dana Homerson kept saying that his, his offense needed a score, but that, that they've got to get a stop in there somewhere. And then the other two drives where they didn't allow them to score touchdowns, they sc- still scored field goals. So the defense really, really struggled. And now I know, like you mentioned, Bayou Bucket, it's going to be the headliner. Everyone's going to be fired up for that matchup to win that that trophy. Um, sarcasm with the Bayou Bucket. But obviously, of course, when it comes to Rice, I said in Let's Reach Coops, that's it's supposed to be a get-right game. I just checked the odds early on, but Houston is favored by 17. Uh, 17 and a half points, depending on which outlet you see. So they're a pretty heavy favorite heading into the game. Um, I know they, they've had those struggles, but they have to get it together against Rice. Um, and uh, we mentioned it again, but if for whatever reason they can't, heads need to roll. But I'm confident that they'd be able to figure it out against against Lowell's. How confident are you, Andy Yanez? I... Not confident enough for a guarantee because this team hasn't been able to instill any confidence in the way they've they've um, have been unable to to string together performances. And, you know something that I'm sure we're going to get into later on in the show, but something that has picked up a lot of steam, and it was from that post game presser from Dana Homerson's post game presser, and he started talking about needing you know, going into the Big 12. That was kind of the big thing that led up to this game. Uh, Hogerson himself dubbed it a Big 12 preview for Houston, and they go, going back to the last two weeks when they played Texas Tech, they lost both of those games, but then after the game, he started talking about you know how did, it, it doesn't happen overnight just in terms of being able to get Power 5 ready, and a lot of people are starting to say that, that he, he threw his players under the bus just in terms of needing more talent for Stop right there. Their phrasing. Stop right there. Willie Gibson. Yes, sir. We're going to talk about it. We, Andy and James can be give more details about it because apparently 
Dana Hogerson was asked a question in the press conference after the game. And we do regarding what's point. needed, uh, talent level wise, whatever. Mm-hmm. Coach Hogerson said flatly, we need to get better players. Your reaction as an outsider, you hear a coach say during a press conference, we need to get better players. What do you how do you take that? How do you think his players, his current players, will take that? I'm a current player. I'm in the portal today. Today. Because how can I go out there and lay it on the line for a coach who tells me I'm not good enough? Who tells me he needs better players to compete? So why am I here? And I need to, I'm going to the portal yesterday. And I, I, I no, yeah, no I problem with that. I want to add this, Andy James. This is Dana's fourth year here, right? Correct. So most of these guys he brought in, right? Yeah, good portion of them. So if you need to get better players, what the hell have you been doing these four years at, at UH? Yeah. That's on him. Okay. Yep. And I, he, I, I, I love, I, I'm pretty sure we still have the clip. I, am, I don't know if Will would, would be uh, interested in, in listening to the full clip from the beginning because he was asked about it, but after going back and listening to it, he kind of led into it without being asked about it, which I, I found that, that that's more, um, honestly, more against him, uh, just the way he kind of led into those quotes. Uh, you could be, you, you be asked a question all day, every day. It's how you answer it. Yes. I mean, how many, how many, how many people are asked a question and they answer no comment or next question, or we're not here to talk about that. He answered that with his chest. He said it with his chest. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, he was asked a question. It's a post game press conference. He's, he's, he, he has to know better. He's the CEO oh. of that program. He has to know better. And I'll be honestly, honestly, gentlemen, truth be told, as an outsider, I see a whole bunch of stuff, man. Like. They, they doing they they're doing that like was what was it a couple weeks ago he uh what was it vodka and Red Bull Is yeah that, that tweet that tweet response that? to a tweet yep bro are you serious you're the, you're the head coach of the University of Houston football they let slide no one said anything I, oh I was gonna add uh like he he spoke on that in the press conference and he said his tweets have to get approved by like a few people and they all. Yo, which so makes you, it worse. That, that makes it worse. That's worse. That's worse. And yeah. Oh, and one other point I wanted to add to what Will just brought up is, you know, he how he, he has the uh, ability to, you know, control his answers. Like he straight up basically refused to answer Andy's question yesterday. He just said no. Yeah. Um, right. So so he has that. He knows he can direct them how they want. But like to flat out say like the better players thing, it wasn't even directed to like the question asked wasn't directly about, do you need better players? It was what, 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 what's going to be important to, you know, helping make this transition to the big 12. And if you want to play the clip, I mean, we got it it's about four minutes long. Um, we can pull it up. We're, we're, I think we're high tech enough to pull it up. If you want to do it. Yeah. We just have to transition real quick. We're as good as advertised. I mean, offensively, we didn't tackle the quarterback once. We didn't stop them once after the first two drives. I mean, not pointing the finger on the defense. I mean, offense should have scored more, and they didn't. Um, There's plenty of blame to go around. Uh, I got outcoached. Um, he's a heck of a football coach. You know, we got outcoached offensively, defensively. I take it. Um, 
you know, we're, we got a lot. We got a lot of work to do. Everybody's excited about the transition. Everybody's excited about the future. Uh, I've done this before. It didn't. It didn't take like an off season to get to get Big Twelve, Power Five ready. It doesn't. Uh, can we hang in there? Have we proved where we hang in there and, and can compete with those guys? Yeah. Can we do it every week right now? No. Clearly couldn't from last week to this week. We've had three hard, hard, hard fought games in a row. Um, not going to blame the schedule. It's just, it's just where it's, it's what, it's what the future is going to be. And we have got a lot, a lot, a lot of work to do as a, as a program uh, to where we're going to be able to handle this every week. Um, nothing that happened out there surprised me. I mean, I don't think we played very good. It's on me. Is it just a matter of having – there's a certain type of player when it comes to recruiting, getting that roster. I mean, is that sort of part of the, the issue when you – your roster as it is now versus a couple years down the road to get – is that part of the, the solution or is that part of the equation to get Big 12 ready? Do you think? <laughs> yeah, need better players. Uh, I, and we're headed there. I mean, we got guys in this program that are, you know, three, two, three, four years from now are are going to be a lot different than what they are right now. I mean, I'm I'm proud of our team. We fight, you know, uh, down 14 again at halftime. We go out there and we fight our tail off, you know, and it just didn't happen tonight. We couldn't get stops. We couldn't get any breaks. We couldn't get any big plays. Uh, you know, just didn't have enough, you know. And, again, it's three weeks in a row we're going – Toe to toe with, with you know some pretty good teams that you know that's it. what's what's got I don't know a whole a whole bunch of stuff's got to change man I mean you know we got to coach better uh, you know we got to we got to somehow figure out how to stop that offense because it's we didn't uh, we didn't stop them. Uh, you know we got to score more but, you know at the end of the day there's a lot a lot going on you know put it on me. So with with one more non-conference game to go uh, in the rise before you guys start conference play, is there any consideration of maybe changing things up, whether it be a routine like how you guys approach games or, or anything just to try to get out of this funk that you guys have had in the past two past two games? No. Dana, you know, getting the start you wanted, I mean, does that make it you know sort of even more frustrating? Was there something that changed? No. They don't. They don't panic. They're they're a good team. Same thing happened to them last year in Morgan, or last week in Morgantown. They were they got down and you know they just they play. I mean that they, their head coach who outcoached me. He's got their team's attention to where they are kind of got some confidence and they're hot. And they you know it's a long game. I mean I talked all week about how this was going to be a four quarter game. Got to keep playing, keep playing, keep playing. Which we did. We just, you know you know just didn't play as well as they did in the second. We knew that wasn't going to work going away. I was happy with the fast start. I mean, people have been griping around. Or they've been griping about us not being able to start fast and do something different, Coach. And Well, we started fast, okay, but that doesn't mean that the game was over just because it was 14 nothing. Uh, give Kansas some credit. They're pretty resilient. And Will, I was staring at you. We need to change the banner real quick. Um Will, I was staring at you the entire time leading up, and whenever he mentioned the the we need better players, I saw your reaction. So, I mean, can, can I say something? Yeah, go ahead. Yes, sir. Somebody has to be the adult in the room. 
because it's not just today. It's not just that. I've heard a lot, and he said it several times in that clip. The future. The future. The future. Doggone. You got a game Saturday in the future. Stop talking. Somebody, because I hear the, I hear about the president talking about it. I hear about the AD talking about it. I hear about the coaches. I hear about the media. One time I, heard, I sat here and didn't say the media asked who's going to be the first Big 12 home game next year. Doggone, it's not a season this year? Why are we talking about next year? Why are we talking about the future? We're talking about the Big 12. That's why you're one and two. You're talking about next year. You're talking about the Big 12 of a conference of which you're not even a part of yet. Focus on the now. That's just what I hear. And so I kept hearing that. I'm like, therein lies the problem to me. No, you're you're right. And and they have taken taken the American conference this year for granted. I mean, I don't know that they – they're just like ignoring this season getting ready for the Big 12. And, Will, you're going to love some of these comments <clears throat> that we're going to – you're going to – your eyes are going to roll out of your head probably when we get into more of it. But one thing, Dana tries to have it both ways. He throws his players under the bus. Then he says it's on me. Then he says, I got outcoached. Which is it? He says he wasn't surprised by what he saw. Then why was the team so unprepared? Why does the defense look so dazed and confused? Hell, no, no. Clueless is how to yes. stop Kansas. Here's my favorite one. I'm not going to sit up here and point fingers at the defense and then proceed to point fingers at the defense. Yes. Like, bro, are you serious? So that's what he does. That's been his track record uh, for years as a head coach and very few media outlets say it like that. Tell it like it is. We're going to do that here. Okay? And I'm not going to toss anybody under the bus. You can figure it out who doesn't tell it like it is. In local, he used local media, but Coach Hogerson, you heard the the one in, one word response to Andy's question. No, he did that Monday to a question that Chris Baldwin asked him about the offense. No, you know about his I'm I'm an offensive genius and blah blah blah. Really? Okay. Then get back to calling the plays because the guy calling plays right now these first three games doesn't know what he's doing. No idea what he's doing, and I'll bring it up again today. What the hell happened to the tight end? Christian Trahan was a, a factor last season. Was he even there yesterday? Was any tight end there yesterday? They don't even use him anymore. It. I don't understand what's going on, and we can get into it. A 17-and-a-half-point spread over Rice. Why? How? Based on what? Based on last year's team and, and the Cougs winning last year by four, the 45-3, whatever the hell it was last year. Rice held Louisiana. Rice defense held Louisiana to less than 200 yards yesterday. It came in averaging 416. Louisiana had 175 and nine first downs. Okay, their quarterback, TJ McMahon, had a rough first quarter. Okay, two picks. Last three quarters, 20 for 26 for 264 and three TDs. What reason have we seen these first three games do we have to believe that the Cougars' defense will stop Rice? None. And 
I'm an old head UH alum, okay? So when I say this, in football especially, there's no way in hell UH should lose to Rice in football. Better athletes, up and down. But what we've seen so far these three games, would any of us be shocked if Rice beats Houston on Saturday? No. Then what? <laughs> then there'd be one and three. And all these folks, what are you going to say then? Conference play. First up against Tulane. I know one thing. I like Tulane's head coach more than Dana Hogerson. I know that. Yeah. Then Woody what? Fritz has, has Willie Fritz is better than Dana Hogerson. SMU. Memphis. A lot of games that everybody assumed the Cougs would be favored in the conference play. I have my doubts now. I mean, truly, what reason do we have and the defense, Doug Belk? What the hell, man? What's happened to you? The defense has looked unprepared, lost, out of stop a mobile quarterback, which might be the saving grace against Rice because I think T.J. McMahon is more of a pocket passer. So maybe that will be helpful for the Cougs this Saturday in the Bayou bucket. Andy James, have at it. I, I wanted to like at, go back to one thing and sort of wrap up like in terms of what Dana called their Big 12 preview. One thing I wrote about this this morning, but that's concerning about that is they've now lost six straight Big 12 games uh, to opponents. The last one goes back to the last win was 2016 season opener against Baker Mayfield, number three, Oklahoma. Um, but in, I think, Four of those losses are to Tech, <laughs> one's to Kansas, and one's to OU. Look at look at uh, like if this these last two games were their Big Twelve preview. You can l- look at over the past decade, Kansas and Tech has finished bottom tier of the Big Twelve the past decade, and more. Kansas has finished dead last most of those years. Tech has finished bottom third most of those years. You got to go back to, I think, two thousand nine when Texas Tech finished near the top of the Big Twelve. Kansas was still garbage, but like these are these are bottom tier of the big or historically bottom tier of the big 12 teams. And so if they're causing you problems and you haven't figured out how to beat these teams in a 6-year period I mean yeah then what then, yeah, just, then, then what's going to happen when they have to play when they have to play everyone else when they have to play Baylor yeah, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, State if Baylor, Texas and OU are still are still in the conference for at least one season it's not looking good for Houston. And again, uh, it goes back to what, something we've reiterated. It seems like all the momentum those come, coming into the season. Um, I think Tony M. Is, is, you know, he mentioned it. Um, they they had built up a lot of hype heading into the to the season, and it, it, it's kind of and all stalled out. Did too. My most experienced group of guys, my most experienced team. Right? He said mm-hmm. that. Right? Yep. Yeah. He 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 talked about how. This was the oldest team he's ever coached um, in terms of starters average age. And he's like, you know, that's going to be one of the biggest advantages I've ever had. Um, Like, I think it was 22 years old as the average starter, which is crazy for a college program. Um, But it it hasn't helped so far. And again, the the biggest thing for for Houston early on has been undisciplined mistakes, going back to the penalties. Um, Whether it be at first, it was the offensive line that they had been – 
kind of, I wouldn't say leaky, but they've been one of the focal points early on against UTSA. Then against Texas Tech, it turned on the defense and being unable to, to get a stop at the end of the fourth quarter and then in overtime. And then uh, once again, um, against Kansas, there were the penalties. Um, you had the situation when you had both players, uh, Joseph Manjack and uh, Samuel Brown, fighting on the sidelines. And then again, Dana Horvison reiterated on um, the discipline, his new favorite catchphrase now, stupid crap that he's reiterated for the past two weeks. And uh, some of the players were asked how they feel in terms of whether the season's at a at a turning point, just in terms of where, where they can go, obviously, of course. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how they come out against Rice because if if the coaching staff has lost a team, it's certainly not going to look good, even if it is Rice. So it, in, in many ways, it is a, a kind of turning point in the season, depending on what happens against Rice on Saturday. And let me say this because I want to get into the outside stuff that Will may not know about. Okay, Joseph Manjack shoved his teammate on the sidelines because teammate got an, a 15-yard penalty, right? Is that yeah, the he, reason we're here? Okay. Sam Brown was, yeah, antagonized. He responded. Okay. So they got into a fight. They went to the ground on the sidelines, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't both of them come back in the game? I know Manjack did. I do not know for sure if Sam did. Andy, do you remember? I don't. I don't believe I saw Brown on the field after that. But I, yeah, Man like Jack said, was Man for Jack sure. For sure, did. Okay, and Dana said he, he held, Man Jack held Sam Brown accountable. He just did it in a in a bad way, right? Basically, that's what he said. How he worded it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Will Mister Gibson? Mm-hmm. Last Sunday's show, we talked mm-hmm. about it. I think led up to it how Dana Hogerson, UH. Hyped up, begged, pleaded, encouraged strongly the fans to come to the game. We need you at the game. Come support us. This is a Big 12 preview. We'd like to get at least 30,000 people there. Okay? They got that. Announce the 30,000. <laughs> Will. Yeah. There were long wait lines outside to get into the stadium. Okay. Because there were not enough people to handle the tickets. People in line okay. tickets. There were not enough concession stands open inside yeah. the stadium. Yeah. So what the hell? Why are you begging people to come to a game and then you understand? And mm. then you're going to complain about, well, come back, come back some more. Come back again. We'll do better. James, tell your, tell your what happened to some of your friends yesterday? Yeah, I had a group of like eight of my friends that were waiting in line um, for like 30 minutes. The gates were uh, moved down from like four to two and they were like, and then it started to rain and they were like, you know, they, it was going to be another 30 minutes before they got in. So they just left. <laughs> I mean, which leads me to what I said for a while now. UH talks a, a good game, talks about being a big time program, but their actions don't back up their words. Mm-hmm. We talk about and have for a while. We want to be a big-time program. Well, if you don't have enough people to handle tickets, folks coming into the, the stadium and not enough concession stands, and I have reached out to UH for a comment, okay? Mm-hmm. We'll see if they comment. And let me say again to everybody, Tony M, Untitled Project, folks, 
chiming in, Jay as well. UH higher-ups, the vice president of athletics directly, has an open invitation to be on this show. Okay? He knows it. He said that he'd, he'd be on the show before football season. Well, three games in, and he ain't been on the show yet. So I'm not going to get Andy and James in trouble. But until he comes on the show, I'm going to call him out. You know who you are, Mr. Vice President of Athletics. Here we are. What happened yesterday? Why were fans waiting in long lines to get inside the stadium? Why were there not enough concession stands open inside the stadium? <clears throat> What's going to happen this Saturday at Rice? Will they be in, will they, all those issues be resolved? Of course, I don't think it's going to be 35 people there this Saturday to see Rice. But if you want to be a big-time program, we need to act and behave like a big-time program. Quick, I have, Can I say something? Yes, go ahead. Okay, I had a question for Will. So, right, the horseshoe holds about like a hundred thousand, a little over a hundred, right? Have you ever had like seen something like that, or is it pretty? Has it always been efficient since you've been covering it? I mean, because this this is more. It was thirty thousand at TDCU. That's more than three times the amount of average. More than three times the amount of people attend the average Ohio State game. So, I was just wondering from your perspective. um, good question. Good questions. Um, yeah, to answer your question, yes, yes, we have seen something like that here. Um, last year, twenty twenty one, home opener against Utah. Uh, no, Oregon. Forgive me for a minute, because I'm still tripping. Uh, Oregon home opener, twenty twenty one. Um, it was the first game. Hard State went ticketless. So prior to that, it was always paper tickets. This year, it was phone. And yeah. The, the scanners didn't work. Um, so there were, and it was a hot day, mid-September, probably 90, 89, 90 degrees. And the scanners didn't work. So, yeah, there were, uh, it was, everything was cashless. You know, after COVID, they converted everything cashless. You know, scan, QR code, blah, 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 the whole gamut. And it didn't work. So there was a lot of waiting in the lines. Um, concession stands weren't open. Ones that were crazy long lines. Ohio State fans waited. They waited. They waited in the line. They got in the game. They waited in the concession stand lines. And and, and I say that not to, to poo-poo your friends, James. I don't. But I guess if it's important to you, you're going to wait. If it's the game is really about the game, if you're truly, I don't want to question somebody's fandom. But if it, 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 I guess I look at from this perspective, Ohio State tickets are like a very, 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 very difficult to come by. So if you get one, you're going to the game. If you have to wait in line, you're waiting in line. You're not going to leave again. With all due respect to your friends, I'm not. I'm not disrespecting them in any way. Just the perspective up here. Yeah, a long line or a long wait or a concession oh, stand—that's yeah. not going to be an issue here. I mean, mentality for sure. And from I mean, from what I've seen in terms of prices at Ohio State, that's some of those single game tickets are more than a single season ticket at, or a season ticket at UH. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's not going to be an issue here. Waiting on the line is well, not going to be an issue here. Were those issues resolved for this next home game? Oh yeah, without question. 
Oh yeah, 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 no doubt. So we need we need to see if the issues will be resolved for the Cougs game this Saturday against Rice because they did go ticketless. Okay, this season. Yep. This was their first home game. Yep. They had time to prepare for this first home game because they were on the road for two weeks. Yep. So they still had issues. Yep. We need to see if they get those issues resolved for this Saturday. Sure. And if not, then come Sunday, we're going to bring it up again. And, and until they keep, until they fix it. But the, the, the mentality is different. You know, college football here, Houston Cougars, Rice Owls, it's just not that important. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's more of a, a high school football and a pro football town than it is college football. Because mm-hmm. TSU has problems. Every local team has HBU, TSU, Rice, UH has problems drawing, getting big crowds for football mm-hmm. home games. Heck, most, most sporting events here in town. That's just where we are. But we, we know that. Everybody knows that. You can't add to the problems. You can't add to that fickle fandom with other issues like we're not ready for the crowds when they do show up. <laughs> you can't make it worse. Mm-hmm. You can't make somebody, it could have been James's friend's first time at the game. They may never come back now because the first impression they got, I'm not waiting for this trash. I'm not waiting to, in line to deal with this because that was their first impression. I might, I might be wrong about that, but we all know it. You never get it. You don't get a second chance to make a first impression. And you wait, dropped the ball on the field yesterday and then outside the stadium and inside with the concessions, they have to do better. But the biggest gripe, Andy James, I could say it yesterday on Less Rage Cougs. We'll touch on it a little bit. It's as if the invite, being invited to the Big 12 was enough for the administration. We finally got a re-invite. Okay, we're good now. We don't have to do the, the things that big-time programs do because they're now a big-time program. It seems like they're just content with the invitation rather than do things that are necessary for a big-time program. Andy, James? No, yeah, absolutely. Akib brought it up, and it's been a, a certainly a, a big topic. Like, I mean, Will mentioned it in that clip, especially leading up for the past two games. It's been a lot of conversation uh, about the Big 12. You know, how prepared are you guys going to be once you guys do enter the Big 12? What's that going to be look like? And and some of it was exacerbated by inter- when Brett Yarmark, the commissioner for the Big 12, came into town. There was a lot of conversation Um I mean, even Brent Yormark, I, I found what he responded was interesting when he was asked about um, if there was a concern for Houston in terms of attendance. They've, they've struggled to get uh, sellouts. They, they, I think the first time that they broke 30,000 since 2018 yesterday, um, if I'm not mistaken. And again, he went back and he said he didn't anticipate attendance to be an issue, but in his response, he said, just think of the rivalries and some of the brand programs that are going to be calling TDCU Stadium home, which uh, tongue-in-cheek, maybe, I'm pretty sure he meant just in terms of the matchups with Houston, but I mean, that's going to be a, a big component, because whenever 
the Baylors, the, the Texas Techs, the TCUs get to play at TDCU Stadium. Their fan bases are going to travel. So that that's going to be – that's going to make it – even the Kansas faithful that showed out on yesterday, not part, part of it had to do because the Houston fans didn't have much to cheer for, but they made a lot of noise. They, sure they were they were they were being disruptive uh, throughout the game. So that that's going to be something that's going to continue to be an issue. And, again, it, it just hammers the point that – when the the move to the Big Twelve was announced, it's been a lot of okay. We're we're looking ahead, and and I, I agree with that, James. Yeah, I mean Andy hit a lot of good points. My my big thing is, yeah, when I hear them say, you know, we're going to the Big Twelve to win, I'm like, yeah, you're you'll win in basketball, you'll do decent in track and field, but football's a long way away from winning. Um, and I touched on this yesterday in Let's Cougs how Dana doesn't have that marquee win, and he's in year four. There's not even the 12 and two season last year. Yes, great season, positive momentum for the program, but the schedule was r- really weak. Um, so it's not. It, it would be different if it was a 12 win season and you, you change a few of those scheduled games um, because you know they lost to uh, the one Big 12 team they played and then they lost to Cincinnati. The Auburn team they beat was average. They were without their starting quarterback. I can go down that list, but we haven't seen that that step that gives that gives you you know like yes they they are going to the big 12 and they're going to be able to be competitive in football at least you know in other sports they'll be fine and some some of them like i mentioned basketball track stuff like that but football there's a lot of work that needs to be done if they're gonna or they're gonna be you know the the kansas of the big 12 there um you know holding down that bottom spot Men's basketball, James. Oh, men's basketball. Yes, they'll be competitive in men's basketball. Yes, my, that's what I'm see about women's basketball. Oh, yeah. wow. So, wow. Wow. Shots fired. Uh, shot, yeah, shots fired, indeed. And f- for folks, Mike, Will, Tony, anybody saw in the description, looking for our interview with uh, Kiara Merchant, who is a recent commit to UH women's basketball. She's not feeling well. I received word about two hours ago um, that she wasn't feeling well, so she had a official visit this weekend at Houston and she decided not to, she was, didn't, didn't make time for FTS this evening. So we'll try to get her on a future show. Um, but this platform, Hey, I like it. I think all of us would like it to have, if you want a high school senior wants to be on the show, talk about his or her commitment to a school, a local school, come here and do it. We've got other, I have other colleagues who do that as well here in town, but, like to have that as part of FTS going forward. So this time I didn't work with Kira Merchant. We wish her well. But yes, women's basketball in the Big 12, we'll see. Because they haven't done it yet. And that's the main thing. They haven't done it yet. We shall see. Dana Hoax in the football. He hasn't done it yet. Coach Samson in men's basketball, everybody expects <laughs> them to do it because of what he's done so far. They've given us reason to believe. <laughs> yes. So that's where that's where things are. And Andy James, were you guys su- surprised at the amount of negative feedback from frustrated Cougar fans after yesterday's loss? 
I'll take it first. And quite, no, I, quite frankly, I haven't just because of it. It's been a common theme for the entire time that Norgerson's been here three out of the four seasons. Even last season when they lost to Texas Tech in the season opener, um, there was a lot of, of the same conversations being had just in terms of if Dana Horgerson was the, the right fit, the right person to, to, to take control of the program and the winning streak. Even then, it took them to get to at the end of October after they beat SMU that's really when the conversation on the team kind of shifted uh, for Houston, even when they had, I can't remember exactly what week it was that they beat SMU, but it, it, they had to, they were, I think they might've been five, six, seven and one prior to that. So it took a long while before the conversation has started to change there. Even then, once again, when, when they lost to Cincinnati, like James mentioned throughout the show, uh, again, the lack of a signature win um, under the, the tenure of Hoverson. And then once again, uh, the, the, the Birmingham Bowl, it kind of quelled stuff. And then once again, it, it kind of – they had done enough to be able to kind of re-engage the fan base. And then early on, UTSA, the conversation started picking back up again. But Houston was able to rally. They they, they won it in a stunning fashion. And then Texas Tech, Kansas, especially, again, going back to the hovering thing that Big 12 moved was less than a year away. It, it really has a lot of fans uh, pessimistic about the program. James? No, it doesn't surprise me at all. UH fans are very quick to, you know, point out the negativity. They won't, I mean, the number might surprise people just because fans don't show up at football games, but like they're watching, they're paying attention and they're going to, they're going to, you know, whenever something goes wrong, they're going to, you know, make sure their voice is heard on what needs to change. Okay. Real quick, we're going to make predictions about, Houston and Rice, and then go to Mr. Gibson about the Browns and the Jets today. Andy, you, you, you weren't very confident. You weren't confident enough to guarantee the Cougs will cover the 17 and a half. Are you confident enough that the Cougs will beat Rice this Saturday? <laughs> yeah, I am confident enough. Uh, I think just overall with the talent they have and, and just – I, I just don't see a scenario where they can't come out victorious against Rice. I'll guarantee that. I guarantee a, a victory for Houston over the Owls. James? I'll guarantee they cover. I can't get worse than last week, and they've had Rice's number, so I'll guarantee they cover the 17 and a half. It can always get worse. Guarantee! I'm going to do it again because Andy's guaranteeing a win, and the James guaranteeing that Coop's cover. Guarantee! I'm not guaranteeing anything regarding this football team. I think the Cougs will win. The, the, the Cougs should win because I, I think they have more talent than Rice. I'm not sure which team has the better head coach. So if it gets close in the fourth quarter and it comes down to coaching, well, then I would not be shocked if Rice beats the Cougs. And man, oh man, if that happens. One and three heading into conference play. It would not matter what the Cougs do in conference play. They'd have to win the conference championship to erase the one and three start from fans' minds because the regular season matchups in conference play, no Cincinnati, no UCF, 
No one cares. SVU is going to be a problem. But, man, <laughs> Will, if the Cougs lose to Rice, like I said, I think the Cougs will win. But if the wheels fall off this Saturday and the Cougs lose at home to Rice, oh, boy. Mr. Gibson. Oh, oh, oh do I get the pick? Pick, yes. Will the Cougs cover the 17 and a half against Rice? I'm telling you right now, all I know about Rice is there to call the Owls. I'm taking Rice straight up. This locker room is done. That comment, I need better players, that's going to hurt way more than people think. Players hear that? Oh, I'm, I'm picking right straight up. How strong? How confident are you, sir? Play it, Chuck. Play it, Chuck. Guaranteed. <laughs> All right. There we go. There we go. We'll, we'll find out if the locker room has been lost. We will find out for sure this Saturday. And, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna I'm gonna be curious to see if Hogerson addresses that in any way, shape, or form tomorrow. Whenever he does his, his uh, weekly availability. Well, you you, you, you let you, us you, know. All right, Mr. Gibson. Yep. Browns. What happened to the Browns today in Cleveland? Well, I can do. I'm, I can. I can cop. I'm the easy cop out and say the quarterback's not available, but I'm not. Um. That's yeah, but um, no, they 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 just lost. Um, they just lost. They just lost. They lost. When when the Browns led what thirty seventeen, with less than two minutes to go. Yeah, did you think it was over? A Browns win? I I did. Yeah, because you know typically at a home game, the last two minutes you could go on the field. So right before that, you know, you leave the press area, press box, you go down to the sideline, you wait in the tunnel to the two-minute warning, then they wave you on the field. And so, like, all right, they got it. And Nick Chubb scored. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. It's all over about the shouting. And then you stand there, and that defense for the second week in a row got gashed. Last week it was a 75-yard touchdown pass. Baker Mayfield to Robbie Anderson. This year, this week, it was a 66-yard touchdown pass. Um, Joe Flacco to uh, Corey Davis. And then the onside kick. The onside kick. It's like special teams. What are, what are we doing? And then to let them just march down the pit. To go back, it was 155 left in the game. And the Jets had no timeouts. So had Nick Chubb just stopped short of the goal line, the Browns run the clock out and the game is over because the Jets can't stop the clock. And he did that last year, ironically enough, mm-hmm. against the Houston Texans. Yeah. Or two years ago, right? Against the Texans. Cleveland won 10 7. He could have scored. He slid down. There was a, a monsoon and they ran the clock out. This time he scored. And the Jets scored 14 points in a minute 55, which now that took Joe Flacco, his record against the Browns, to 24 and 2 all time as a Ravens quarterback and not a Jets. And they talked about that like, ah, there's no way Joe Flacco's going to come here and get a win. And he did. And he did. So, I mean, a good thing for the Browns is a short week. Pittsburgh comes in here Thursday night. And they got to flush it because 
they're back in the facility tomorrow getting ready for Pittsburgh. Was Nick Chubb asked about why he didn't? Yeah, down? yeah, he was. And he just, Nick's, Nick's a stand-up guy. He took, he took it. He took it. He was like, yo, I could have done it. I shouldn't have done it. But you expect your defense with a minute 55 left, up 13, to stop it. And yeah. and Miles Garrett took the L for the defense. He's like, you know, we got to be better. We got to do better. You know, it starts with me. I'll run it, and it go, and we go from there. So, and let me read this from ESPN Stats Info. NFL teams had won the last two thousand two hundred twenty nine consecutive games, winning by at least thirteen points in the final two minutes. The last team to blow such a lead. The Browns in Week Nine of the yep. 2001 season versus yep. the Bears. Yep, yep. It's it's amazing some how franchises, players may come and go, coaches may come and go, but it's like bad clouds just hang over franchises in in all sports. It just happens like that. One of those right. things. But right. Andy James, what what are your thoughts on that? We're going to wrap it up and get ready for. Uh, the Admax Corner to discuss the Texans' 69 loss <laughs> in Denver. Andy James, go ahead. Just from a, a kind of a broader perspective, I think obviously there's going to be a game that the Browns are kicking themselves and it might come down and bite them. Um, once the, the you look down later in the season, especially obviously, of course, getting a chance to be able to start 2-0 with Jacoby Brissett, like Will mentioned, uh, expecting Deshaun Watson to come back. Um, by December, it would have been a, a very, very strong impression for the Browns to be 2-0 and uh, against a Jets team that, uh, talent-wise, the Browns are much more talented than them. And, and once again, they had them on the ropes, and they just couldn't finish it. That's something that it, I'm pretty sure is going to come back and bite them going forward. James? Yeah, my first thought was exactly what Will brought up when I thought Nick Chubb was going to go down because I vividly remember that moment against the Texans, not only because they were playing the Texans, but because I had Nick Chubb on my fantasy team and I was pissed that he went down <laughs> instead of scoring. <laughs> so, um, you know, I thought he was going to go down, but like, like Will said, you can't blame it on him. You give your defense a two score lead with under two minutes left. They got to get the job done. Um, reminds me of a, another defense down here um, in college that has did a similar thing their first two weeks. Yeah. We're going to wrap it up a little early. Like I said, uh, we're going to have the AD, the Admax Corner, on the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel at his playlist. Get ready for that in a few minutes, about 15 minutes. AD Moore, AD Moore is going to talk the Texans' loss at Denver. Texans are now 0 1 and 1 on this season. But I want to give a shout out to Tank for Bryce. That's the hashtag yeah. now. The, the, uh, Las oh, Vegas CJ. Aces. CJ Stroud. I'm sorry. CJ Stroud, yeah. Las Vegas <laughs> Aces won the WNBA championship of this season. They clinched it, winning game four of the best of five series today in Connecticut, in Uncasville, Connecticut, 78-71 to wrap up the series, winning at 3-1. Las Vegas' Chelsea Gray was named finals MVP. But I want to say this, Will Andy James. We touched on it last week a little bit. Will talked about how Ohio State, the Ohio State, on Sunday's tweets about success of Buckeyes in the NFL. The Texas A&M Aggies, 
put together, posted an article. Check this out. <clears throat> about a former player from Houston, Sidney Colson. I saw Sidney Colson play in high school at Westside High School. Followed her throughout that time. Sidney Colson barely plays for the Aces, okay? But she went to AM, helped the Aggies win a championship in college in 2011. The headline of this article Sidney Colson, comma, Las Vegas Aces win WNBA championship. Hey. Okay. That's what you do. Yeah. You promote your, your, your alums, your alma mater, okay? You That's localize you every do. story. Yep. That's it exactly. Colson and the Aces beat the Sun 3-1, okay? Colson played in 18 games this year, concluding her eighth season in the league with her first WNBA championship. So kudos to Sydney Colson, and she is, she is hilarious. She's a great young lady because I'm an old young lady. Um, she's, a, she's, a, she's a comic. She's, just, she's a lot of fun. Y'all need to follow her on Twitter. Uh, but, yes, I just wanted to acknowledge her winning the championship, Aces winning the championship, but the Aggies and their press release recognizing an alum winning a WNBA championship today. Andy Yanez, owner of Less Rage Cougs, not great idea, the unofficial postgame show for Houston Cougars football and men basketball. How can folks find you on social media, sir? On Twitter, they can find me at Ayanez underscore five. Um, if they want to check UH Athletics related uh, work, they can check that out. And at least the online article version of it, uh, Gallery Sports. And then obviously, of course, like you mentioned, Let's Rage Cougs after each football and men's basketball game this season. Um, once again, we might as well plug in our sponsor. That's Let's Rage Cougs presented by www.fivestarprops.com. Um, and there, um, I guess 10 year runs through the rice game. So, um, that big stuff with Let's Reach Cougs. And then obviously, of course, now with Pod Slamma Jamma, that is now officially owned by Let's Reach Cougs. Be sure to follow that YouTube account if you haven't done so already. That's Pod Slamma Jamma, P A W D S L A M A J A M A, because I have that memorized. And please subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. We have the clip that you saw, the Dana Horgerson clip. That was posted after last night's game. It's actually already done over 2,000 views, um, which is a pretty, pretty strong number and, and follows because, like I mentioned, Hoverson's going to have his weekly press conference availability tomorrow and it'll be posted. We're limited to, we're capped to a four minute max limit, but that, that, whatever clips we can get from there, that will be posted on the channel tomorrow as well. And real quick before I go to James and, and Will, shout out to Tony M, Mike, Will, um, the sponsor of. Let's Rage Cougs, Jay, he made a comment on the show, Untitled yeah. Project. Thank you for everybody for posting your comments on the Houston Round Ball Review YouTube channel. James Mueller, how can folks find you, sir, on social media? Yeah, y'all can follow me on Twitter at JDM2186, and then all my coverage of everything regarding UH Athletics is at thedailycougar.com. Mr. Will Gibson, how about you, sir? How can they find you? Thank you, sir. You can find me at Twitter on Twitter and Instagram at willgibson Seven. Uh, Facebook, uh, at Will Knowles and WTGSports.com. And I'm Chris Gardner. My Twitter account is VHR Review. You heard it. Well, I'm not sure if you heard us say if you're in the studio, 
at the beginning of the show. Yesterday's Less Rage Cougs, the most viewed post Less Rage Cougs show thus far to date. Um, so on and upward there. Um, 900, real close to 900. We're at 8, 895 on the YouTube channel only. Um, and that's not counting the, the listens that people have tuned in the day after on, on Spotify, Apple, and all the other podcast variations or the Twitter views. I think just off the Twitter views alone, it might be another 100 off of that. So, so over a thousand. So, outstanding kudos to Andy for doing that. And he did it post game show on the field of TD ECU Stadium with his phone, Mr. Gibson, with Sweet. his phone. So high technology cool. youngsters doing things, great things. So I'm very proud of Andy. Continue doing the great work, my man. We got sponsors for Folks Talking Sports once basketball season starts. Uh, guys, I'm going to talk to you about once I get the design for our shirts, our golf shirts for Folks Talking Sports. Looking forward to that. And then for fans out there, at some point, we're going to try to get some FTS merch, T-shirts, pins, something. We're going to discuss that amongst the four of us and then go from there. So thank you for tuning in to Folks Talking Sports. Reminder, get ready for the recap of the Texas Broncos game from A.D. Moore on the AdMax Corner. That link will be available on the Houston Round Bar View YouTube channel. Texans lost 69 on the road. To Jay, Mike, Tony, Untitled Project, Andy Yanez, James Mueller, Willie Gibson. I'm Chris Gardner. Thank you again. Until next weekend. Peace. Fuck off.